You're about to enter into a new world of knowledge, curiosities, and high strangeness. This is a podcast of Straight Up Strange Productions. This episode is brought to you by our Patreon supporters. Become a patron today at patreon.com forward slash into the portal. In this world, there exist places which abound in natural splendors. Exotic green jungles with lush carpeted landscapes, inviting pools of crystal blue waters beckoning like sparkling gems in the sunlight. Astonishing underwater caverns brimming with promises of treasures yet to be discovered. However, within some of these tantalizing places, the beauty masks real dangers that lurk within. Dangers that, to many, can only be explained in terms of a curse, beset by tragedy and cast upon the place to remain for all eternity. Indeed, there do exist fatal lures that draw people in year after year, decade after decade, and century after century. Deaths and disappearances which continue despite the warnings that are left unheeded. Tonight, we explore two such notorious locations. So join us as we dive into the depths of the Blue Hole of the Red Sea, known to many as the Diver's Cemetery, a site that has claimed the lives of countless individuals drawn in by her beauty, and the Devil's Pools of Australia, seen as the most haunted site by Aborigines and locals alike, especially those who have witnessed its sudden treachery. Only on Into the Portal. into the portal i'm amber a and i'm andrew mckay welcome back folks we yeah. are coming to the end of april hey andrew oh my god this flew by it so really fast did. yeah can't even believe it um, feels like my birthday was like a week ago and it was on the fifth it's like we're in this strange vacuum of not nothing but just like the days they go by they really do time goes by <laughs> Grass grows, but not Slipped much into else, a portal. Right? <laughs> of strangeness that, yeah, uh, it keeps on going. I don't really know how else to describe that. All I can say is that this time has been awesome for trying to dive into some weird stuff that we hope you guys have never heard before. That's the whole point of the show. Yes. But especially with some of the recent episodes and some new episodes we have coming out, including today's episode, which is stuff we never knew at all before mm-hmm. we started to look into this. Yeah. So yeah, welcome back, everybody. We really hope you enjoyed the interview episode we had on mermaids from a couple of weeks back with Dr. Shay Conger. If you haven't had a chance, go check that out. And yeah, we're really looking forward to having Shay back on. We're going to do a little uh, Zimbabwe mythology mermaids and other uh, sea creatures kind of episode. So that's going to be fun. Totally. In the meantime, though, we actually have a piece from our headlines. Woohoo! So, <laughs> Finally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We've actually had this for a couple of weeks. Uh, our friend uh, Aaron over in Australia, thank you for sending this to us. He sent us this really cool article on freshwater mermaids in Australia. It's a fun, quick read. looks at the history of mermaids in Australia, emphasis on this freshwater element. Yeah. That's very particular to this region and something that the Aborigines have talked about for years or decades and centuries and talking about them living in these billabongs and swamps inland, even though Australia is obviously surrounded by coasts on all sides. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty cool. And it does kind of give you a little bit of uh, the spiritual purposes for figures such as this in their mythology. So we'll have that included in our show notes if you guys want to go give that a quick read. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Freshwater mermaids. Yeah. No, it's 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 it really interesting. And you know, it's funny you mentioned the Zimbabwe mermaids because there is a little reference to the Zimbabwe guys in there too. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. So make sure you guys go check that out. The other thing we wanted to mention is it's new news. It's awesome. We're really excited about it. We have a new sponsor on the show. So it's audible.com. Mm-hmm. So 
amazing. The selection on there is crazy. I thought it was just audiobooks, and it is an amazing selection of audiobooks, but it's all kinds of other stuff too. Like there's self-guided wellness programs, there's theatrical performances, there's, you know, comedy shows and all kinds of different stuff. Mm-hmm. Amazon or you know, Audible Originals, it is an Amazon company. Originals, so much cool stuff. And you guys can get a free trial. We get a little kickback from the free trial. There's no obligations at all. So we'll talk about that a little bit more kind of as we go. And the link mm-hmm. is in the show notes. And uh, yeah, you guys get to keep any audiobook that you choose on there, regardless if you stick around for exactly. past the 30 days. So it's a win-win for everybody. It's awesome. It's pretty cool. And we also have a new patron too. Thank you so much, Alyssa, for joining our crew. Yeah. Um, we really appreciate it. All of you know, you can go and check out a backlog of episodes. There's a bunch of stuff available on our Patreon feed if you sign up. And it's all at patreon.com slash into the portal. So, yeah, we just covered the legendary Nain Rouge of Detroit slash the Great Lakes region. Mm-hmm. Harbinger of Doom, Misunderstood Forest Spirit. Who knows? We get into it. So if yeah. you are into all that stuff and you just want more content that's where to get it yeah and i mean it's funny we, had, we got an email today being like coming up again to an anniversary of us mm-hmm. being on patreon so there's a lot of content backlogged on there for you guys to check out and we're gonna have a special anniversary celebration we so. are yes so stay tuned for that mm-hmm. okay you ready to jump into some uh, some myths of the deep here yes so in this episode we're looking at two incredibly beautiful highly unusual places in the natural world that in many cases are extremely deadly locations. And until recently, like we said, we had, we didn't know anything about these places at all. But they seem to sort of draw people in, quite literally, with some sort of an allure, if you will, that seems almost inescapable. This allure in and of itself may be linked to the paranormal, uh, or at least sort of delves into the realm of what we, we would call, of course, morbid curiosity, which is essentially mm-hmm. what this episode is all about. Mm-hmm. So the first place we're going to look at is located on the coast of the Red Sea, southwest of the Sinai and north of Dahab. So it's just outside um, Dahab, Egypt, basically. That's like the closest yeah. municipality, I guess. Dahab. Apparently it's like a backpacker's uh, like dream paradise. It's on. It's like Lonely Planet. I think it's in their top. Mm-hmm. I mean, for dive sites especially, it's in their top three or something. It's really sought after. I would love to go there for sure. Yeah. So essentially what we're looking at here, though, is off the coast, there's this epic blue hole. And these exist all over the world, right? Uh, You can find them off the coast of Mexico. Like, they're everywhere. And it's essential, but Mm -hmm. they're they're all unique in their own way. But essentially what this blue hole is, is a submarine sinkhole. Mm -hmm. Maximum depth of the hole is sort of like, it's unofficial, but just over 100 meters, around 328 feet. But there's sort of varying depths depending on whereabouts you are on the floor of this crater underwater. Mm-hmm. And you can even look online, like there's there's various maps, diagrams, illustrations that kind of show you the the areas and the depths of each area and all that kind of stuff. So. Yeah, exactly. It's a really spectacular place. Just massive underwater cavern carved into a reef. And like we said, roughly, give or take, eight kilometers north of, of Dahab. And it's just by far the most popular and infamous, I should say, dive site in Egypt. Because exploring the deeper depths should be really only left to experienced technical divers, but that's never really the case with this place. It seems to draw other people in. That's just it. Like, I'm not going to say the majority of people there are inexperienced and not certified or shouldn't be there, but I'm saying that there there could be, a like, there does exist a small percentage of people that do things that are reckless, that are idiotic, things that they just shouldn't attempt, right? Totally. It's, it's just going, surpassing your means. It's in human nature, I think, to do those things. The irony, I guess, is that there's a lot of sort of allure on the surface, too. I mean, it's extremely beautiful, the reef in and of itself. There's fish species and eel species that thrive right there that are pretty unique to the Red Sea. Mm-hmm. But... Despite this, of course, yes, people are drawn in beyond because there's so many features under the under the water in this mm-hmm. hole that are pretty special and pretty interesting. And because there's so much to explore, but it is so strangely mysterious slash difficult, it has become known as the Diver's Cemetery. Mm-hmm. It's essentially an underwater cathedral, and it has this reputation as the most deadly dive site in the entire world. So about 130 to 200 known fatalities in recent memory. So this is just back to the mid-1990s. But there's absolutely no official record of the number of deaths. There's no, there's no documentation officially of how many people have passed away or disappeared in the depths of the Blue Hole. Mm-hmm. It's a mystery and it's pretty pretty spooky to me. Yes. It's only become popular in the last, like, I'd say, like, 40-ish years. Beyond that, though, there were people that are diving uh, past that range. There were people that just go out without any 
without letting anyone know, right? And then they might not come back. And then that's how there's these, these unofficial accounts that are mm-hmm. added in. There's countless memorials along the sides of the roads and things like that that yeah. are uh, paying homage to these people that have passed away here. But it's it's funny. Yeah, we refer to this as a diver cemetery. It's it's a magical place, like an underwater cathedral. It's incredible. And there's so many different areas to explore, like we've already mentioned. And it's very safe if you stay above the 40 meter mark. Right. It's when you start to descend past that where the danger starts to come into play. And (laughs) of course, the most tantalizing features lie beyond that. So a lot of people think they have the technology, they have, say, a more experienced person in their group that they can rely on. So they think that they can maybe go past these limits and just to explore some things such as some very prominent features like there's this beautiful <laughs> the arch is the main one but before we get into that let's talk about the saddle for a second here yeah okay the saddle is actually what a lot of people mistake as the arch when they look at an aerial like an overview shot of the blue hole mm-hmm. because essentially what you see when you look at an aerial view is <laughs> obviously a big beautiful blue hole that is carved out of this reef it's like you're essentially you're on like beach step in slash like you know like wading territory where you could like set up like a nice like lounger in the water and just be like sunbathing and then it just drops and is it's very stunning it's very stark and then you get basically like a semicircle and then at the very base where it opens up into the red sea that's where we get the saddle right so this is a very shallow opening to the sea it's about 20 feet deep so six meters and this is the part that's visible from the aerial view And the arch, which is the most popular feature of the blue hole, is not visible from Ariel. It exists below the surface, below the coral. So it actually does open up into the Red Sea like the saddle, but you can't see it from above. So the arch is a 26 meter long tunnel. It has a depth of 55 meters. I'm going to be referring to this in meters throughout the majority of the show just for clarity's sake um, 26 meters is about 85 feet so that's a pretty long tunnel and 55 meters is 181 feet down it's so it's it's yeah it's, it's beyond recreational diving yeah it's you need technical certification you need to have that but anyways the bottom of the archway actually falls away it's about a thousand meters down it just drops into nothing it's spooky like in like i instantly like i hate heights and when i was even watching the documentary and they show that sort of they go over the edge kind of thing and i'm like oh god (laughs) yeah it's it's pretty intense (laughs) you get the butterflies right away (laughs) the thing with the arch too that's so like the way you're describing it and then with this drop off into nothingness uh after the arch essentially or on the one side there it's it's like so mystical. It seems as if you, you go under the Sarge, you're going to come out in Atlantis or something, or like yeah. you will end up in another place like that, the that the whole, exactly. That's mm-hmm. almost what, and you know, we don't really get into it in this episode because it doesn't, we it didn't really tie into like the mythology of the Red Sea specifically, but we do know that these blue holes have a lot of that sort of mythological uh, background to them, like the idea that they can be portals, especially I, mm. in the Latin American world. And so we got to dig into it more for other episodes. Mm-hmm. But I know that they're they're very sacred sites they where are. things can pass over, and you know things they're, can happen. They're incredibly tantalizing, and there's one feature in particular about the arch that some people have pointed to as one of its most deadly features, and it's this sort of trick of the light it's an illusion all these sun rays that come beaming down and some people have theorized as you're looking through the blue hole some people think that divers have gotten disoriented and thought that up was down and so they start swimming down towards what they think is the surface and as they're descending they're getting increasingly narked right by oxygen toxicity and um nitrogen uh, toxicity yes (laughs) i it was interesting we'll get into that in a second here too but there's the trick of the light and like you said it's very mystical it's very ethereal it beckons to you it does and it's this thing with the red sea where it's like you think things are a lot closer than they are just because of the clarity of the waters but there's even more to it than just that and of course on into the portal you're going to get a little tidbit of like myths and legends and whatever else and there is a legend that goes along with the blue hole yeah you use the word beckoning yes very it specifically forth to you so yeah there is a bedouin legend that basically describes the story of a young girl who was promised to a man she did not love very classic 
she decided that she would sacrifice herself and throw herself into the blue hole and uh, just to escape the arranged marriage. So she killed herself, and she now supposedly lives in this deep blue hole, tempting young men to their deaths. Her spirit remains. Exactly. And it is very fitting because the majority of the people that have died are young men, young ages 20 to 35, people that are in the prime of their lives, Mm -hmm. seemingly, (laughs) are tragically cut short. Yeah. Yes. It's a lot of people. Like like we said, you, you don't really know how many. In the documentary, Monty Hall's Dive Mysteries, we would highly recommend going and checking that out. It's on YouTube. Yeah, we'll have it in the show notes. Yeah, YouTube. He talked to one of the like preemptive like dive experts in the area. His name was Omar, and he is what they call the bone collector because he's the one that goes down to collect all these people that have sadly passed away. And he kind of speculated. He was like, we don't have the exact numbers. It's well over 100 probably closer to 200 and this isn't just in recent memory just in recent memory just in the last 40-ish years when this dive site has really exploded yeah and technologies have allowed people to kind of become more hmm, what's the word more give you more confidence for sure rebreathers things like this exactly but more technology equals more chance for disaster definitely (laughs) and i think the point we really want to emphasize here too is the idea that it's a whole this isn't a this isn't an advanced cave system. This isn't um, you know uh, diving in and out of the the windows and doors of a deep sea wreck. In most typical circumstances, it should be really safe. Mm-hmm. It's wide open. You can't get lost really, and there shouldn't be this many deaths. No, and that's why the legend, although it is just just that to most people, a legend, it definitely rings true to locals because mm-hmm. they're the ones hearing the stories all the time. It's not just tourists there seeing the memorials of divers that have been lost. Mm-hmm. It's it's uh, potentially, yeah, there's, there's an ancient force at work because it shouldn't be this dangerous. And I will add to this the idea that, like I said, this is a Bedouin legend. This was considered a sacred site by the Bedouin peoples and it was actually largely avoided by most of them. Like they had their caravan, they had their trade routes and all that, but the hole itself was largely left alone. And you, that's a good point to make is the fact that this is, this should be a simple dive site. It's up and down. There's not really, there's no confined spaces. There's no mazes. There's no nothing, right? Exactly. And one of the people that worked at the H2O Center, I forget her name right now. It was an article that was discussing one of the most recent deaths. And she was saying how it's like, it's absurd how many people have died here. And it, it, it is because of stupidity in her mind, because you should, if you're trained, you're qualified, you should be able to dive the site safely. But right. it doesn't seem to be the case for a lot of people. And to me, it just seems like a simple explanation Explanation that it's it's just the temptation of the arch. or it's just, Because these things are cool, but there's a lot of really cool places on earth to dive. Mm-hmm. And you don't hear these same similar types of results and stories. You know what I mean? Not to the same degree, at least. Exactly. Mm -hmm. But I I think this is a good transition point here. You teed it up for me really well, talking about sort of the ancient, the Bedouin peoples of that area of the Red Sea, north of of Dahab. And it kind of got me interested in in ancient diving, because I was like, I mean, who else has been in this location for sure, just in general? Like, Mm -hmm. because I didn't really know anything about ancient diving. And it's pretty insane. I mean, free diving goes back, like official recorded evidence of free diving humans can be traced back more than 7,000 years. People's Ooh. ancient peoples living off the coast of modern day Chile and absolutely bizarre. I mean, they could dive well beyond 30 meters with very like minimal training. I'm air quoting here. 30 meters. But I'll, 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 I'll get into some more numbers in a second here. But there's also sites with evidence of essentially like seashell fossils, different things like that found on the coast of the Baltic Sea. That, that revealed that mm-hmm. ancient people, you know, around the same time period, 7,000 to 10,000 years ago, were diving for for food, for different artifacts. I mean, Baltic amber popped into my head too. I would imagine that's a right. lot deeper down. But I mean, with different sort of geological activity, if you saw something shiny that was 50 meters down, people were probably going to dive for it in the ancient world, which mm-hmm. is pretty insane. Mm-hmm. So the Minoans, the Greeks, the Egyptians, they were all known for pretty substantial free diving off their coasts. And we can find this across the globe. And of course, this, the main impetus of this was for trade. So for, for example, the Greeks would dive for sea sponges. And there was a very famous place for this uh, 
uh, Kalimnos Islands, or the islands, sorry, uh, around a thousand years ago. And this was like a huge industry, one of the biggest industries. And sure enough, what was it used for? Bathing, sea sponges. Mm. So it's so funny. You get the actual sponge today. It was a literal, the literal sea sponge used for the elite to to bathe themselves back in the day, which is crazy. Give me a sponge bath. I know, right? <laughs> but it is so crazy. So divers in the ancient world, they would use large stones, right, to descend very quickly because, of course, you didn't have dive equipment, so you're just going on held breath. So you need to get down there really quickly. Descending beyond a whopping 30 meters, like I just said, on average to collect sponges, pearls, other things like this. So like we mentioned sort of earlier on here, by comparison, safe recreational diving depths don't go beyond like 40 meters. And anything between, I mean, we'll get into this more so, but it's like we start to deal with things like oxygen toxicity when you go really deep beyond Mm -hmm. 50 meters, things like this. Yeah. And not to say that the people of the ancient world didn't experience these issues, for sure, right? There was a price to pay for diving for sponges or for pearls and different things like that. So compression sickness, nobody knew what was causing it, but it did occur. Oxygen toxicity did occur, right? Like beyond the 50 meter mark. And those who did return would end up with things like, you know, exploded eardrums, have ear problems, eye problems. There would be blackening of the skin, almost like dying flesh around their eyes and different like things like this because they had descended to pressures humans shouldn't go to. Right. Almost like Jerry in that episode of Seinfeld. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, kind of like that, right? <laughs> That's interesting, though. I was just going to say here, yeah, like it's interesting that you say things like they wouldn't have known what was causing this and then what would be your first explanation it's a cursed place yes right it's 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 marred by something that we can't understand exactly no science to explain it no nothing so in that way it's like it just yeah it adds to the antiquity and then as we come into modern times these things are just carried forward with us yeah exactly and so it was sort of seen as like people who were willing to to do these things to dive down it wasn't just a dangerous job it was people who were willing to almost like cross over the portal, right? Like venture beyond, like into another realm where man isn't supposed to be. You're, mm-hmm. you're, un, you're under the water. And that's where the fascination really, I mean, it's existed in, in humans from since the dawn of, the dawn of civilization, of anything, right? The <laughs> dawn of man. Since we stepped foot on this earth. <laughs> like really, like honestly. <laughs> Out of the sea. <laughs> and trying to figure out yeah. ways to get deeper and deeper. And one of the really curious things I stumbled on was dive bells, which makes sense. It's literally uh-huh. like flipped over, bell-shaped, weight weighted objects that you could sink down with humans on the inside Mm -hmm. and the first like well-built ones are a lot more modern but they've actually been referenced in like really really ancient times like aristotle makes reference to them Hmm. and of course he was the uh the tutor of alexander the great Mm -hmm. so it ends up getting referenced in sieges and uh warfare tactics of alexander the great it isn't actually uh, certain whether or not he ended up using it but let me just see here it was um the battle of tyre in 332 bc where uh, he potentially used it in a siege where he essentially like sunk divers like soldiers down mm-hmm. in bells in certain areas as i'm thinking like almost in a trojan horse type thing like to wait and then swim out into well or even <laughs> let's let's <laughs> pop culture reference here are the first parts of the caribbean movie uh, where they they ambush the boats by using the boat under the water and they basically yeah they just carry it under with their own little bubble and then attack pretty bizarre right pretty cool yeah, really cool mm-hmm. anyway needless to say the history of humans and fascination with going deeper and deeper and deeper has existed for a long long time we always want to try and exceed our limits indeed i think that's yeah that's definitely the theme of these episodes today and that's what the blue hole offers and exactly and it's this whole idea that we are enticed by beautiful things we see things like this blue hole this azure blue crystal clear waters that we can just we go and we can scuba around on the surface and we can see so much below and yeah. it's very tantalizing and it's misleading to a it is degree. because it, it seems so vast but then in other instances doesn't it yeah. seems like it's so attainable yeah that's what's bizarre and, and it tricks anyone it tricks people like us right we've never done a single dive in our lives it tricks people such as Yuri Lipsky, who ended up passing away in 1986. He was a dive instructor, and he decided that he wanted to film the Blue Hole. And so he got his equipment together. He actually asked Omar. So <laughs> Tarek Omar is the bone collector that I mentioned earlier. And Tarek, he is the preeminent just like 
authority in that area. He's been diving ever yeah. since the, the, not the 50s, sorry, the 80s. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> at least. But um, anyways, even people such as Yuri Lipsky, who was a Russian-Israeli dive instructor in the area, he decided he wanted to film the blue hole one day, mm-hmm. and this resulted in his death. It was April 28th, 2000. He was 22 years old at the time. He actually approached uh, Omar, so Tarek Omar, the bone collector that I mentioned earlier, yeah. who attempted to dissuade him from attempting the dive. So this was because his equipment, which was a video camera, amongst other things, were much too heavy to actually keep him stable. Yes. And he also lacked the certification needed to dive to such a depth that he wanted to go to. So none of his equipment was a quick release. There was no weights or anything that could just be just let go and then he would be fine. So Tarek was very against this. How could you go down with not quick release? That's it's crazy It's kind of to strange me. to me. Yeah, it's like you're not doing yourself any favors. But maybe he just didn't have the money to buy the equipment. Who knows, I right? Guess so. Maybe it's... You know, it's like us when we were rocking the Yeti mic versus this sick equipment we've got now. <laughs> thanks, Dylan. Thanks, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and thanks, everyone. But yeah, no, so Yuri, he ended up finding another diver to accompany him after Omar refused and ended up filming his own death yep. after he descended uncontrollably down to the bottom. They found him about 120 meters down. Uh, yeah, it was very unfortunate. This is the most unfortunate part about the whole thing was the fact that he did film it and Omar, who was sent down to collect the remains, ended up finding the camera in working order. Yep. And he, oh, really unfortunately, this is what he says is his biggest regret in life, was that he gave the camera to the mother of Yuri, not knowing that that footage was still on there. And he just says here... I regret his mother will have this forever. If I had known the footage existed, I'd have flooded it, so ruined it. I think the thing that really upset and saddened me about it was that his mom has it now. She has the footage of her own son drowning. Yeah. How harsh is that? And this footage has... All for nothing. Yeah, all for... It's so silly. Yeah, it was really, yeah, an unnecessary stunt to try to do it. Mm -hmm. You could have, you know, worked your way into getting that deep but this video has been circulated in morbid curiosity websites since mm, 2000 essentially yeah. or maybe shortly after whenever it got leaked or however you want to call it because it's uh yeah it's been just that it's been a source of yeah morbid curiosity for people on the internet for a long it time without be. even really knowing the story of the blue hole per well, se and it should be a word of caution right it should be don't do this and not not like oh let's see this guy die i gotta like, say I it is very strange watching him tumble down the banks of you an underwater. Uh, well, there was a, they showed a clip of it in the Monty Hall uh, dive mystery documentary. Uh, they, they didn't show the whole thing, but they did show a brief clip of it. Oh, uh, I thought and, that was uh, a recreation. Oh, it's possible. Yeah. I, I do know that you can find. I, I have watched parts of it. You can find it online, mm-hmm. and it's uh, it's disturbing. I probably wouldn't recommend checking that out. We won't include a link to that, but it's kind of interesting because. In recent years, technical diving, so this is a form of scuba that involves breathing in these special gas mixtures. This has become much more fashionable, and Omar thinks that this has led to much more deaths, a rise of fatalities, as he calls it. It seems to be a case where technology adds to diver confidence, and in the Red Sea, this can be especially deadly. Omar makes the mistake of, or sorry, he says that many make the mistake of thinking that the Red Sea is a place where what I can see, I can reach. Right. And this is a big mistake because uh, you can see up to 100 meters in some parts of the Red Sea. And it's when you get to that 50 to 60 meter mark, that's when you're starting to worry about oxygen toxicity. And right. you can start to narc yourself. <laughs> and this, I, I can definitely see this leading to a rise in, obviously in the popularity of the sport too. So there's more people doing it which often obviously was going to lead to a rise in the scope of yeah. death tragedies, all that kind of totally. thing. Totally, no, for but sure. even with modern technology or without modern technology, tragedies can still occur. And this was a very modern case that occurred in 19, or sorry, <laughs> 2017. Um, a man by the name of Stephen Keenan was another victim that was claimed by the Blue Hole. His death actually resulted when he was assisting a record-holding Italian freediver named Alyssa Zucchini, 
who is attempting to cross through the archway on a single breath of air. Yeah. So that's pretty incredible. And she's going past the uh, the limits for recreational divers, right? So that 40-meter mark, the archway starts at the 55-meter mark down. So that's pretty pretty freaking far down. And this is without equipment, right? So free divers, just to be mm-hmm. clear, are sort of enigmas in this world because they do they hold their breath. There's no pressurized suits or anything like that when they, they dive. They might have a nose plug. Um, that's, they, it. that's it. Nose plugs, basically. Yeah. Pretty wild. Insane. I, I don't even imagine what that type of pressure would feel like, but... Oh, God. Unfortunately, Zucchini ran into trouble. She became disoriented some people, like, I kind of put in brackets as, like, could it have been that trick of the light that might have got to her? But who knows? Yeah. And rushing to her aid, Keenan, who was, like, he was supervising the whole thing, he ultimately sacrificed himself in the end. He got her to the surface. But unfortunately, he was actually found later floating face down <laughs> on the surface of the hole. Yeah. This parallels many tragedies surrounding the blue hole. The inexplicable suddenness, among other factors... So just what is it about the blue hole that makes it so deadly? There's so many people out there that think they don't have access to mental health resources. And taking care of your mental health is just so important. BetterHelp Counseling Service is a new way to get the help you need when you need it. And let's face it, it's not always easy to ask for help. Well, now it is. They offer secure, convenient, professional, and affordable online therapists. BetterHelp is a really easy way to get the help you need when you need it. And let's face it, those times can sneak up on you. Knowing you can talk and have support or just someone in your corner to go to can really curb those spirals if you're anything like me. BetterHelp has licensed professional counselors who have a broad expertise in areas that might not be available to you locally. They specialize in everything from stress, relationships, trauma, self-esteem issues, or even just sleeping issues. And what's really great is anything you share is confidential, and you can begin communicating with a real person who is a licensed counselor in under 24 hours, all in the format of your choosing, whether it be desktop, mobile web, Android, or iOS apps. Totally. And best of all, it's a truly affordable option. And Into the Portal listeners get 10% off your first month with discount code PORTAL, spelled P-O-R-T-A-L. So why not get started today, you guys? Go to betterhelp.com portal and simply fill out a questionnaire to help them better access your unique needs and get matched up with a counselor that you'll love. That's betterhelp.com portal. Financial assistance is available for those who qualify. So please, if you feel you could benefit from this, check it out. And again, that's discount code PORTAL, P-O-R-T-A-L, to get 10% off your first month with BetterHelp. Okay, let's get into the particular clarity of the Red Sea waters, because it's just a weird, magical place. And like you said earlier, you can see so far down. And Tarek Omar warned about this on the Monty Hall documentary. You guys got to check this out. We'll definitely include it in the notes. It's really, really fun. But the Dead Sea is just so deadly because of this, because mm-hmm. it is so clear. And mm-hmm. so many people, especially if you are unfamiliar with the area, they make the mistake of thinking that you can reach essentially whatever you see. Because, yeah. you know, 100 meters in some places you can see down. It's a very deadly illusion. Mm-hmm. And so there's this sort of consideration that there's trick of the light, a trick of the light that's taking place with the archway that's potentially leading people to their death. And to me, when I think of the light and the trick of the light in the archway, that is like the spirit of the girl that threw herself into the hole. Yeah. It's like that is the, 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 you know, the, the bright, the light of the soul or something, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's drawing people in because it's alluring, but it also just seems so easy. Mm-hmm. But of course, you end up potentially getting narked. There's nitrogen toxicity and oxygen toxicity. So, okay. so I can't remember the exact blowed or implode. Oh, I, I can't, can't remember how the, they described yeah. it, but it was, they, they said they compared it to the experience of uh, being drunk, basically, right? Yeah. Wasn't it like martinis or something they mentioned? Or? Yeah, they call it the martini syndrome or something like that. Right. <laughs> yeah, people do think. Like the, the, your judgment just gets lost, essentially. Right. So obviously, if you're already disoriented, this is going to lead to uh, even bigger in, problems. Exactly. So impaired judgment in a life-threatening situation, obviously not the best uh, cocktail for survival. No. And to me, like, that is such a, a morbid curiosity, right? The idea of, like, being so blissfully unaware or even aware 
you yeah. know, like, oh, I'm sink. Like there was the girl, uh, the one woman interviewed on the documentary and she was like, oh, I was sinking and I thought it was fine. No big deal. No big uh, deal. Things like that. She thought she pushed up on her, like on her buoyancy levels or whatever. Right. And she actually pushed down. So she just kept thinking she's, and the whole time she's aware and she's looking around and she's like, oh, oh just going down, down. And you're so calm. Yep. You're so peaceful. It's you can almost see like the bubbles going the other way. Exactly. Yeah. And you just don't even, at that point, your judgment can't be trusted. Right. And it's because of this, the speculation for a lot of these deaths happening in the blue hole was that people are running into this situation and they're getting so mixed up and disoriented that they think down is up, up is down, essentially. Mm -hmm. And they touched on this in in the Monty Halls, the idea that the arch is actually the surface. And when they took their team in there, they didn't really feel like that was the case. It was more so... Not so much you think up is down, down is up, but I thought this was so interesting. You see the arch and you think to yourself, even though you can turn around and go right back up to the surface, you almost think that that's the quicker way out. Mm. It's not that you think it's, it's not that you think that it's up, but you see the light. You think it's only a couple of fin kicks away, a couple meters away. And that if you just scoot under it, you'll be up on the other side in no time. It's the natural progression of the dive. Exactly. That's what it kind of feels like, but it's very misleading. And again, yeah, f- fatal. It's a fatal error. Because and it's way that, further away. Like it's just yeah. so disorienting. I really like that scene in the Monty Hall's documentary where he, they had just dived down and they came back up and they're sitting in their little circle and he's like, you know, I don't, I don't know if it's up is down and down is up. It's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's the idea. It's the illusion of it feels much shorter. It doesn't feel like 26 meters in front of you. Yes. And again, uh, going back to the whole idea of like the the feeling that you would have as you're sinking and this sense of complacency and this sense of like comfort almost. That again, if you don't know what being narked is, you could think that that is a symptom of the curse. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's no doubt what people would have, like you said earlier in the ancient, the idea of ancient divers, like that's what people would have thought. I mean, mm-hmm. if you get, if you, if you dive in for a simple, uh, a sponge dive or a pearl dive in the ancient world, then you don't come back. That's going to mm-hmm. prolif- proliferate the legends that exactly. especially like this one, which mm-hmm. I love. Yeah. So there's that, um, the, the clarity of the water itself, the depth of the hole too. Like we said, like this is a very... <laughs> it's tantalizing in the sense that it's so open and it's a very cathedral. Like it's very, it's vast. So you want to explore all of it. And yeah. there's a lot of different areas and you can do hundreds of dives and like Omar's done, right? Like he knows it like the back of his hand, he said now, but it's, t- it's a place where you have to really, really associate for a long time in order to get that sort of comfortability and familiarity. Absolutely. And then, yeah, like there's all these different dangers, such as like the depth. So like we said before, it goes down to about 120 meters at the deepest part, about 130 as you're like kind of going through the archway. And then it just drops, just drops into nothing. Mm -hmm. So imagine if you had a problem with your buoyancy or you make the wrong decision and you decide, yeah, exactly. You start just going down. You could go down a thousand meters and you're just gone at that point. No one's going to come get you. Not even Omar can get that far down. Now, so there's that. The idea, again, like we've touched on the uncertified divers attempting the blue hole. There is a police checkpoint that exists just before you enter the area of the blue hole. And this is just to ensure that all entering are, in fact, certified to do so. However, like one Hmm. local said, there's always ways around that. So a lot of people do end up going down stupid plans they're just idiots man and they think they have the technology they feel confident because of that and then it all goes to shit i feel like it's like it's yeah it's so it's partly that Mm -hmm. i'm not i'm not buying in per se to the to the legend in and of itself but it's almost like the legend didn't need to be uh, real in its origin like an actual girl throwing herself in per se because if things like that, that exactly because if things if things like that had happened in the ancient world and then throughout the the centuries uh, following that and now in the 90s with you know 100 plus or 200 plus in mm-hmm. in recent memory and the souls just keep stacking up exactly and when we think about haunted places yeah. right i mean we never really think of like underwater as being particularly haunted comparatively to say a haunted mansion or a, or a, or a, or a, hosp- a psychiatric hospital castle. or a prison or something or a castle or whatever but these places can be haunted too And going back to the whole idea, yeah, is it the chicken or the egg? Like, does the legend exist to explain the deaths 
or did the legend come up and then we just get all these, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I actually, yeah, it's a good point you make, um, the idea that these people, like it doesn't, you don't even necessarily have to have this legend because people are throwing themselves in already. There's a new legend every week. And you would imagine even in antiquity, obviously the people that would be doing the job, such as diving down to collect whatever, or just for their own, like, you know, own hobbies or whatever, like they would be young men. So it makes sense that it would be the ghost of a young woman that's luring them in. It just, you know, it all comes together. It really does. (laughs) It really does. I was really curious though, because like we already said, there's a lot of supposedly uncertified technical drivers or people that are just recreational drivers that are attempting these more technical dives. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of different programs that you can enter into to sort of begin your dive career it's convoluted like there's a lot of steps like they even there's this one program that i looked at global underwater explorers it's a non-profit organization focuses on education exploration and conservation so multiple tiers and it has all these stages of certification you have to go through and i thought it was really cool because like education exploration so they're exploring underwater wrecks and things like that so cool they're also conserving so they do a lot of reef projects and things of that nature so there's a lot of good you can do with diving certification and even before you get to your first level of certification, they just say, you're just going to come and do a session with us. And we're going to see if you're even remotely suitable for this. Yeah, like a personality test. Exactly. Yeah. It's like a psychological like analysis. You're like, are you comfortable? Like, we don't want you to come to us with any sort of monetary obligation or obligation, I should say. So let's just see what you're like before we even go there. Right. Which I think is pretty pretty reasonable different uh, now than it used to be back in the day let's just say that i mean it yeah. was it's a lot more strength uh, you know checkpoints mm-hmm. there is a lot more checkpoints and even in the recreational certifications like there's multiple levels then once you complete all of those you can go into your technical diver level one program and so that's basically just giving you knowledge for technical safety it doesn't even get to things like the rebreathers so that's the type of diving that we were seeing with monty hall's exactly. on the documentary so there's a lot you have to do before you even get to that point. And Monty himself, right? Like he was limited. He said, I can only go past, I can only go down to the... 40 meter mark, I think it was. Did he say the 40 meter Something like, maybe maybe even less than that. I'm not sure. And then he had other parts of his crew that were able to go down. I think yeah. they went down at least 60 to 80 meters at one point in the documentary. And okay. in that documentary, they do successfully go through the archway. They do. Wasn't Monty part of that one though? I, I think I, he said he had to take more courses in order to be certified to go, to go on through that. the arch. Yeah. And one of the, one of the members on his team, I'm trying to remember the name. It was Dan something or other. It was like a former, um, like military diver. And he was telling a story about his first time making it through the arch and how he felt like he was a little bit more, you know, used to going through things like narcosis and stuff like that being in, uh, like in a military environment, diving, like not just recreational. So mm-hmm. his body had been trained a little more intensely. But even with him, he made it through, kicked through the arch. But because he was so out of it, he wasn't moving nearly as quickly. And he said in the documentary, he made it back up with about five seconds of oxygen left. Right, yeah. If he, if he, had, if he had hesitated mm-hmm. for even another three, four seconds, there's a really good chance he was going to run out of air and sink. Yeah. And, and that's so crazy and you have to remember too when you are at those depths you're using your oxygen up at greater levels so you don't have as much time yes Mm -hmm. exactly and it's all based on this optical illusion right so the optical Mm -hmm. illusion of sunlight through the arch makes divers feel as if they can just get through it in a couple of kicks right it's 26 meters (laughs) and that's a long way uh, especially mm-hmm. if you're narked, right? And even that, right? The arch, if you look at a like cross-sectional diagram of it, you can see that at the very edge, it kind of dips down a little bit. So you have to go down and then back up. Yeah. So some people kind of get disoriented from that too, I think they said. Exactly. Oh, and here, here's the note here on the martini effect, which you, oh. you added in. So uh, Dr. James Caruso, uh, chief medical examiner for Denver, Col- uh, uh, Colorado State University, I mm-hmm. uh, an avid uh, scuba instructor and diver, uh, narcosis is often called, quote, the martini effect, where as the diver goes deeper, the intoxication increases in a similar fashion to drinking more alcohol. I've never actually, have I, I, have I had a martini before? I can't remember. Mm, What's in a martini? One, did you have one at the Christmas party? No? Or was mm. that, that was a different thing. I think it was just in a martini glass. I spilled it all over myself. My shirt <laughs> had a martini. I didn't have a martini. <laughs> yeah, but this is cool because you, it's not cool. Sorry. It's just a very really strange 
a fact that a lot of people can relate to, I guess. Everyone's probably been drunk at one point in their lives, you would imagine. Yeah. If you haven't, cheers to you. <laughs> yeah, cheers to you. What an ironic, what an ironic thing to say. <laughs> we but work I, in the industry. Company. We do. I guess the most, I mean, we're, we're, we're right about to sort of transition into the sort of next location in this episode here. But yeah. what I, but I think, what, I guess what's most interesting about the blue hole is like, it's different than the next place we're going to talk about. But it's still just this notion that water can kind of like hold on to spiritual significance, I guess. Like if if the water in the blue hole can hold the soul of the girl, mm-hmm. that's the origin of the legend and has now become this place of such infamy in diving when really it should be just a hole that's easy to dive in. It's a little different than the next one. But I mean... Yes. I'm trying to make a segue here. <laughs> You're segueing. I'm can. I don't know. I'm just. I'm still trying to wrap my head around the the feeling that you would get. Your your mind is slowly slipping. You're not yourself per se, but you're totally aware at the same time. So like, weird. that's the weird part. Your decisions. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of Hannibal uh, when he gets the guy to like cut his own face. He's like oh, thinks he's yeah. having a good time. True, oh, this is yeah. great. No big deal. What was he high on? Like basalt? Something, right? And oh man, it's just so dark. <laughs> disturbing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the blue hole, a very, very disturbing story. And if anyone's dived it or, or is familiar with that area, like let or us if know. anyone just does recreational diving in general, let us oh, know. And if you've ever felt the effects of, yeah, nitrogen toxicity or oxygen toxicity or anything, or if you've any sort really of curious. stories about that, we would love to hear it. We are going to transition next to our, our final story for you guys. This is a little bit of a shorter one. And this came from Aaron again in Australia. Thanks, buddy. Shout out. What's up? And we're talking about the Devil's Pool at Babinda Boulders. This is a legend of Australia. It's located south of Cairns. So we're talking north northern Queensland, Australia. Okay. About 60 kilometers away from Cairns. Okay. And this is an area. It's a national park or a provincial park or whatever they call it over there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what do they call it over there? I'm, I'm pretty sure it's a national National park. parks? Okay, mm-hmm. okay. Great for hiking, beautiful crystal clear waters that rush down these finely eroded, smoothed rocks that look very similar to the um, the potholes at Texas Creek that yeah. we're familiar with in BC, uh, Christina Lake. Check out our Instagram. We posted a video of that from a little while back. Yeah, it, it's gorgeous. And they just look like they're just like finally just like sanded down, very smooth, almost like natural water slides. That's exactly That's what, it, what looks it looks like. like. Sasquatch water slides. Sasquatch water slides. Yeah. You need a little bit of fur on your butt. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it's a little, <laughs> yeah. the way down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but the Devil's Pool in particular exists at the confluence of three streams that join up at the base of these boulders. They're known as the Babinda boulders. Mm-hmm. This area is notorious for luring people to their deaths. Many people call it the most haunted place in Australia or among one of the most haunted places in Australia. Mm-hmm. Others have referred to it as Australia's mini Bermuda Triangle. That's mm. interesting. So, uh, yeah, another site of high mystery and high strangeness. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2010 Cairns Council report cited a coroner's report into the death of a man of that same year, which put the total number of deaths in this particular area at about 17. This is very, uh, I'm going to say modern numbers. This only dates back to 1960. So I almost read that as that's like from 2010. I mean, yes, yes. As of 2010. So, so the range of uh, 1960 to 2010, there's been gotcha. reported 17 deaths. Okay. Gotcha. Yes. However, that being said, the Australian Aborigines have long avoided this place. It's deceptively quiet. It's foreboding. They have their own story to go along with it. So while it's not quite as notorious or saturated in death as the blue hole is, it's still considered a cursed place, cursed by the tragic death of a young woman. So again, oh. we get this uh, this parallel between the two places. Locals speak of the Yidinji indigenous legend of the curse of Ulana, a young woman who was claimed by the boulders in a tremendous upheaval that was caused by her anguish over losing her lover in a very classic love triangle tragedy. Of course. The story goes as follows. And this is a quote from wurunuran.com. Uh, All right. All right. The Devil's Pool legend. You can Google it too. <laughs> Olana was a beautiful young woman from the Yindinji tribe. She was chosen to marry a respected tribal elder named 
Guarono. Not long after their marriage, she met a young, handsome warrior named Digna from another tribe. The pair quickly fell in love. To continue their affair, the pair fled the tribes and escaped into the wilderness. The elders of the tribes discovered they were missing, and Warunu sent out search parties to track down the young wife and destroy their affair. They were captured, and Dinah was dragged away, but Ulana escaped. Despaired she would never be with her true love again, Ulana threw herself into the devil's pool. Her anguished cries still churn the waters today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very similar. I mean, it's almost an identical story. It's very similar. Yeah, so we get a suicide element. We have a young woman. We have a water element uh, and, and an indigenous legend. So it's all, there's a lot of parallels here, which I really appreciated. When Aaron shared this with us, I was like, this is brilliant. We need to add this into our blue hole episode. Absolutely. So like we said, there's been a lot of deaths, 17 that are that's the official count to date. Actually, that was a 2010 article, and I know that we're going to cite another one that was after that. So at least 18 deaths, I think. I mean, let's just go ahead and say, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say, it's I, I've never been there. I know it's more than that. I know Probably. it's more than that because just as an example, the uh, there's a cliff face at Christina Lake where people have passed away jumping off the cliffs. There's no official record there. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could go back and tally it yourself, but you're not going to be able to go find it and be like, yeah, it's 15, it's 16, it's whatever. It's it's yeah. swept under the rug a lot, I think. And I think they were just citing a coroner's report. So right. anyways, there was one from 1979, a very unfortunate case, um, a man named Patrick McCann. He disappeared after he slipped off of one of the boulders falling into the pool below. So this was a rescuer quote here. We thought we knew he was in there, but we couldn't get to the body because the water is so cold, it's so deep, and it flows so fast. So this occurred as McCann was trying to jump a gap between two boulders. He fell and was found in the bottom of the deep cold pool three days later. So, yeah, it was in my mind, I was like, well... If you're jumping and then you slip, like, I think he probably... Could have hit his head. Most likely scenario is that he hit his head. I don't have the coroner's report here to actually confirm that, per se. But, again, yeah, it's just very unfortunate. You sure he wasn't uh, yanked under the water by some sort of a a malevolent hand? Okay, so that's weird that you say that. On November 30th, 2008, a man by the names of James Bennett, who was a naval seaman was sitting in what's known as the washing machine with friends. So this is uh, a part of the pool that gets churned up. Okay. So there's a little bit of white water, but he was actually in a calm part of the pool when suddenly, according to witnesses, he was yanked back as if by an invisible hand. Uh, The quote was on to say here, the invisible hand dragged him back towards a section of churning white water. James then allegedly reached up to grab a branch, which snapped, after which his head went under and he just struggled there, suspended helplessly in the water for no apparent reason, with just the tips of his fingers protruding from the surface as he struggled to come up for air. He never came up. Spooky. They had to do a body recovery for him, too. And this yeah. is weird. The invisible hand aspect. So he was yanked back. Yanked. That seems... That violent that's not it's not a violent it's a, yeah exactly it's like are there gators in this pool i mean i i don't think so no they wouldn't be no i don't think so no. i haven't seen any reports of that <laughs> it, it sounds like it'd be way too cold better. it sounds like it'd be too cold for them there and too quick moving water and what are they gonna hunt there and that doesn't mm-hmm. make any sense no it doesn't the idea of there being if you're just like in one place in the water too you're not getting like drag down down river or anything or can if like if there's a force that's going to pull you under it's going to pull you under it's not going to pull you under in like almost a teasing sort of way that's what this mm-hmm. sounds like to me mm-hmm. it's, it's it's freaky to say the least and the fact that he was just suspended there helplessly in the water is Spooky. even weirder to me and there are some science that we can get into <laughs> yeah sure that does explain that but a lot of people have pointed to the curse uh, right for this tragedy in 2020 so this is actually almost mm, about a week ago probably about two weeks ago now there was another report so this is an 18 year old woman she was swimming with friends and just failed to resurface and she has since been claimed so she is the 17th victim so just to clarify what i said earlier 17 altogether great social distancing guys <laughs> <laughs> oh 
that that's bad. Yeah. <laughs> too soon? Too soon? Too soon, too soon. Um, so causes of danger at the devil's pool. Like we said, like it's got this beautiful lure, right? It's this gorgeous azure blue waters. Like you can go in, just chill with your friends. It's nice. It's cool, but it's refreshing. So I feel like this parallels the blue hole in the sense that it draws people in that are looking for adventure, that want to explore beyond just the guided trail. Like, you know, they want to jump the fence. They want to go over. Definitely. And again, it's the beauty of it, right? And that in and of itself, the fact mm -hmm. that it's a beautiful place, both of these places, like, you know, tourist attractions, recreational places that anyone can go. You're not, you don't have to be interested in diving or interested in paranormal. Mm -hmm. A lot of people that go to Babinda probably have never even heard of the legend, potentially some of them, right? Mm -hmm. And I think like that for people who are paranormal leaning or, you know, high strangeness leaning, like we can be depending on the story, the idea that... of it being just this, you know, massively visited recreational, beautiful site takes away from that. I mean, they can use that to sort of be like, oh, the curse. No, it's just a lot of people that go there. But like for pe- for for me, you know, like hearing these stories, I definitely believe in, you know, attachment to place. And water we've come across again and again and again is so significant. And if there's going to be a spirit attached to something, water being present is going to aid in that happening mm-hmm. yeah in my opinion mm-hmm. so i don't even know where i was really no, going with that but anyway that is a good point and um i was just gonna make the point of saying that even like very similar to the blue hole it's these people that are athletic they have they're able they mm-hmm. do these things all the time seemingly like you know yep and it's their egos that overtake their judgment of the situation in a lot of these cases it's like common sense rules the day and a lot of the times that does get lost especially when you have yeah. young people groups of young people too especially with this scenario right? right who wants to go to babinda boulders into the devil's pool like who wouldn't want to do that if you're 18 years old no you doubt know? no doubt except i hate water so i would never do it but well, <laughs> sure I hate water. you're exempt <laughs> But the real reasons that people end up passing away at these locations, it, it is definitely steeped in science and just, like I said, common common sense. This water runs fast. This is at the confluence of three streams. It keeps going, right? It's not like you're just at this, like, it's not like you're in a kiddie pool, right, people? Very true. And natural features change every year. So you can get buildup of logs and other like rocks and jumbles that you can't see under the surface. And those are very deadly. Uh, what am I, what am I trying to say? Here? Um, well, they're, they're like booby traps almost. I are, mean, like, yeah, yeah no, for sure. Mm-hmm. There's this one particular thing. It's like, it's called the shoot, I think. And it looks like a natural water slide. And a lot of people um, end up getting trapped in past the shoot because it is quite narrow and like I said, right, if you have things like logs that have built up or whatever, like people just get slammed against the side of it and then they can't get away from it. Right. It's like getting trapped in like a whirlpool almost where you're just getting pinned against something. Which sort of sounds like the story you 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 gave a few minutes ago, like almost a whirlpool or the guy being trapped in one Yeah, one in the location. washing tub. Yeah, in mm-hmm. the, yeah. That particular story is interesting, especially in reference to this next point here. So there is the idea that when you have white waters like this, they're highly oxygenated and it actually makes it more difficult, if not entirely impossible for even the best swimmers to stay afloat. Very interesting. Yeah. And I was like shocked when I heard that. I was like, what? No way. So you're just like basically getting pushed under by a combination of the, the lack of density of the water and then also the currents. Exactly. Yeah. This is cool. I actually came across an article here cause I had to look this up. I was like, does, is there science backing this? Like, how does this affect your buoyancy and whatever else? And it does make sense. Apparently, there's actually, um, they did some research on this in the Great Lakes, or sorry, on the Great Lakes, in the Bermuda Triangle area and the North Sea. Supposedly, there are these methane bubbles that get released from the seabed, and they can actually cause ships to sink. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. you're changing the point, you're changing everything about the situation of the buoyancy of the ship in relation to the density of the water. So this could be responsible for disappearances and sinkings of ships in the Bermuda Triangle and the North Sea and possibly the Great Lakes. We're doing a Great Lakes revisitation in the next little bit for you guys. So that might come up again. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah. So isn't that cool? So the idea that he, this really strong naval seaman, right? Like he could swim, Mm -hmm. I'm assuming 
It's not like back it's in the day with the pirates day. where they're like, oh, we're defying the sea if we learn how to swim. It's like, mm, I'm pretty sure he probably would have been able to swim. Especially if he's in, in the, the yeah, boulders. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You'd think so. You would hope so. Yeah. So it's very insane, but it actually does make sense if you think about it in that sense. The only thing I can really explain is the sun jerking back. That doesn't As make if he sense. As dragged back, unless it was a very strong current that just came up. But, but like, yeah, but currents don't, I mean, yeah, I, 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 yeah, it sounds like there's intention. Like even when you say that, like, oh, a strong current just came up out of nowhere. It's, if you're in a, if you're in an area that's called the washing machine, it's going to be relatively like when we, when I think of like the potholes here, which is essentially very similar to what we're describing here, the formations don't they don't change day to day. Like the, the, you know, a pool that's, that's violently churning. That's how it is. A pool that's more calm. That's known for sitting in and swimming in. That's the one people go and, and sit and swim in. It might change 30 years from now. Or it might change seasonally, right? Like Maybe. From, from spring to summer to fall. Potentially. Oh yeah. De- yeah. The changing water level. Oh, for and... sure. Yeah. No, depending on what time of year you're there, but mm-hmm. overall, I and, think like, and then spring waters can change a lot too. They can. The rushing flows of, but if you're there that day, sitting in the water you feel like it's a comfortable spot to be you're not being pulled by any violent activity in the water everything's pretty calm and normal and then all of a sudden a violent jerk and all of a sudden a violent current in that exact spot that is bizarre i know that's one of the weirdest stories that i came across when i was looking into this babinda boulders because that to me is the only inexplicable like there's a lot of things that you can explain away with many of these situations right like even the last one i just uh, referenced here the 18 year old that just didn't come up we hear that all the time and it's just it's an unfortunate case they kind of thought um i can't i think it was this case in particular they thought was associated with that shoot that i mentioned where basically like yeah some people have been known to like basically get trapped in the shoot uh, underneath the water underneath boulders and other rock features and logs potentially as well Mm mm-hmm so there's a lot going on in this place that leads people to their demises, uh, untimely demises, I should say. And whether it's the curse, whether it's a combination of people being silly and then, yeah, just the natural conditions and then blaming it on the curse or whatever, like, you know what I mean? But that's the thing. I feel, I feel like it could be a healthy mix of, of, of both things, potentially, depending on what you believe in. If you mm-hmm. believe this is a really haunted place, mm-hmm. or if you believe that the blue hole is haunted because there's been hundreds of bodies float to the bottom. Almost. I just remembered beneath. We just watched a really bad, bad Prime. Was it Prime? Amazon Prime. Amazon yeah. Prime. Yeah. It was called Beneath. And it was like, basically, it, it's the same sort of combination, right? Like, you get a mythological element of this giant fish swimming along in the, in the lake, but then it's ultimately the stupidity of the people on the boat that right. leads to their demise. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so I, it's I hear a what little, you're saying. It's a little bit of everything. Yeah. Because that's the easy justification for people, like I was saying before, who like don't believe in anything strange or paranormal. It's just like people are dumb. It's a beautiful place. Lots of people go to these places. They're going to be dumb. Mm-hmm. But if there's lots of other places in the world that are similar where these things don't necessarily happen, lots of other blue holes where dumb people could go and get cocky. Mm-hmm. But it seems to be this one in mm-hmm. particular. Yeah. That's very infamous. And is it because of the clarity? There's just something something more going on. And that's why we thought this was such a fun a fun uh, geography, history, and, and a little and dash of paranormal on top of it yeah. too. Yeah. So in that sense, yeah, we can kind of wrap this up here. Common sense, I guess, would be the hero of the day in all these situations. <laughs> Don't push it, people. Come You'd like on. to, yeah. I mean, yeah. Tarek Omar makes that comment. He's like, I think it's just based on comics, common sense because I I've uh, was in the blue hole when I was young, and I was in the blue hole when I was old, and there was no uh, spirit beckoning me to my death. And then mm-hmm. Monty Hall makes the joke, like, "Well, I guess you just weren't her type." Yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and he's not. He's not. He's, he's definitely kind of a homely looking guy. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows what this uh, what this spirit in the hole looked like, though? I mean, beggars can't be choosers, right? That's true. But we want to know what you guys think of this. I mean, essentially, like, of these places in general. I mean, mm-hmm. what, are, what are your guys' thoughts on the ability for uh, water locations to take on a particular... Personality energy personality or, yeah. yeah like i mean if we be, if we are to believe that the legend was at least the the i mean obviously the basis of of people wanting to go down to the arch i think right it's like this dangerous cool alluring thing mm-hmm. but then obviously yeah like do the more deaths on top of that compound the legend does it make it more haunted and same with babinda yes and it all comes back to this idea of these 
fables, right? These cautionary tales warning people of the dangers that lurk in these places of beauty, right? Yeah. And I think both of these legends, they're very humanist in the sense that it revolves around uh, a woman and a lover and all this kind of stuff. Very, very true. Um, but at the same time, it, it, it's like a stingy jack, right? Like, don't go into the swamp unless you want stingy jack to come get you. It's yeah. kind of a very similar idea. and Definitely. The personalities we give these places, the mythologies that are imbued with them, it, I think it's it's just fascinating in general. I kind of want to know if anyone else has any cautionary tales surrounding water in, in yeah. their neighborhoods, in their regions where they live, or, or totally. maybe across the world and you've just heard of it. I know we have a few listeners sprinkled throughout Latin America, and I know there's definitely some similar type sinkholes there. Mm-hmm. If you guys are live near any places like this, yeah, hit us up. Or if you've ever been like recreational diving if you've ever been to any of these places has anyone listening ever been to egypt and the red sea before hit us Mm -hmm. up i mean we're really curious to know we still have a lot of traveling to do in our into the portal lives here (laughs) so we can bring you guys some on-site craziness but i think that pretty much brings it down to the end for me Mm -hmm. i'm leaning 50 well leaning i'm right on the fence because i i do believe in paranormal aspects of these places but that that gets glossed over because, yeah, people are – it is a, ca- a cautionary thing. It's mm-hmm. cautionary tales that have developed over centuries based off of something maybe very paranormal and real. I guess my final question for everyone, including you, Andrew, would be which came first, the woman who died or <laughs> the men's deaths that she's come <sighs> kind of come up to explain? Right. Or, you know what I mean? Well, until there's an official you know, scroll or, or, or document found of this sort of uh, – legend being real i i think i have to say it's 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 compounded hauntings from from yeah from from the young men and uh people mm-hmm. people over the centuries and most recently diving down into these places and that babinda just venturing into a place that's clearly endowed with a lot of indigenous power and significance mm-hmm. for sure all right well until next time on into the portal your gateway to the bazaar Discover more shows like this one at straightupstrange.com.